It is, it's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man. I have chalked up many a mile, read dozens of books about heroes and crooks, and I learned much from both of their styles. Welcome to episode 44 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm your host, TRG. Uh, I accidentally on purpose started a quest more than three decades ago to find a way to consistently gain financial benefit from casino gambling. That doesn't mean I win money every time I play a slot machine, although there are days when I do do that, and it doesn't mean that I leave every table game I play as a winner. It does mean that almost every month the combination of money won and free stuff received is of greater value than the money I spent on the process. Many months, I do have a cash profit after expenses, sometimes nice large profits, and I live a large portion of each month in casinos doing casino stuff. That's what this podcast is about, me teaching how I do that so others can benefit from what I've learned. Oh, and I tell some stories along the way about interesting things that have happened to me as I've lived that casino lifestyle. So welcome to the jungle. We've got fun and games. In fact, we actually do have games. Two of them have been built into the podcast all the way from the beginning, from episode one. If you want to find out about those games, check out episode 22, where they were discovered by a listener and revealed. They are explained in full. We have three winners so far, including most recently, Keeper of Wisdom, who shared that he really enjoyed playing detective and figuring out where my home casino is in the real world. By the way, for fiduciary reasons, we spell a variety of things with a K. I'll point those out as we go. Don't worry. Uh, What else do I need to tell you if you're joining us for the first time? Uh, um, uh, Oh, uh, I use something called the core concepts as the foundation for teaching good casino gambling techniques. So, of course, we spelled concepts with a K, but slot machine play doesn't really fit all of the core concepts. Slot machines do not provide a wager with a small house advantage. But uh, damned if I didn't find a slot machine strategy that uses most of the core concepts and makes money for myself and my wife and some of our friends fairly consistently most months. Again, some months a decent amount of money. In the interest of full transparency, I wrote my entire approach to winning money from slot machines and I turned it into a, f- a free ebook. If you want a copy, send an email to me, trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, not a C. And in the subject line, I need you to put just two words, slot tactics. Our email bot, Fred, will send you a link to download your copy of the ebook. Speaking about the core concepts, if you want a detailed rundown of those, we have a YouTube page, and part of our page includes the Boot Camp playlist, spelled with a K, of course. It takes you through all of the core concepts of Casino Combat in less than 90 minutes. We are also active on social media. The links to our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are on our website, casinocombat.com. To avoid needing lawyers, guns, and money, let's do a disclaimer, and then we can get started. Ladies, non-binary persons, gentlemen, the mango man who greets you at the border, the lady who sails from Trinidad with olive rum and spices, don't gamble with money you need to pay your bills, don't gamble with money you cannot afford to lose, anything I did last week as discussed in this episode is not a prediction of what will happen to any of us next week. If you have a gambling problem, get help. If you don't know how to get help, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will provide the information you need. Names have been created at random to protect the innocent and the guilty. Stuff that doesn't change the results is often omitted to avoid boredom for anyone listening 
Okay, this is episode 44, so the uh, Ate the Hard Way episode, I guess. Uh, in numerology, the number 44 is about business, especially business related to building something to benefit many generations. Well, that's a perfect description of what I'm trying to do with every episode. Show you how I treat casino gambling as a very fun uh, kind of extra business for me. And of course, the purpose of this podcast is to provide something to future generations of gamblers. So I feel like I, I have that covered here. I received an email with a great question this past week regarding casino gifts, and I thought all of you would appreciate the question and my response, so we will have a question segment today. I wrapped up my craps experiment while I was in Las Vegas, so I wanted to share those results, observations, and experiences with you. I'm going to do that in a Gambling with Gabriel segment today and, and cover all that. And I traveled. Boy, did I travel. I was a jet flying, helicopter flying, limousine riding son of a gun this past week. That's for sure. So we will, of course, have a travel segment, talk about that, talk about the observations I made, talk about how techniques and things I showed you uh, three, four months ago are then coming into play this, this trip, you know, cause and effect, things I told you I was doing, things you heard me do, and then we're going to hear the payoffs to some of that in, in this episode when we talk about travel observations and results. Finally, as always, we will have a quick story in the VIP lounge about a ring some of you have noticed in the Instagram posts. So that's what we're going to... Yeah, I don't know if that's what we're going to do. I mean, look, it sounds fine, but uh, it, it, that just... No, nah. T-Rex, I'm going to change things up a little bit. Um, it, it just seems like too much me, 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 everybody, and uh, not enough value to you and your game. So somewhere in there, um, we're going to go into a Casino Wisdom segment. I'm going to give you a different take on... Uh, uh, consults master list. Thank you, Keeper of Wisdom. Uh, number 22 and 23 are wisdoms about free and match bets and free slot play. We'll, we'll get that into. It's been on my mind a little bit. I can do that one. So um, I think we'll probably do questions, game with Gabriel, a moment of casino wisdom, travel, and VIP lounge. That sounds better. That sounds like a better mix. A little bit more of uh, you and your game in there and not just me and mine. At least we'll try to go that way. We'll see how it goes. T-Rex, sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's start with questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions. Uh, people on social media ask questions. Sometimes listeners ask questions. This past week, I received an email from Mikey Mike. <laughs> yes, that's the part before the at. So I kind of assume it's not just an attempt to have a, a podcast handle or... Look, if someone made an email account specifically to email me and have a podcast handle, thanks, I'm flattered. But anyway, Mikey Mike writes, I've not listened to every episode, but I've listened off and on since you started, and I've added some of your stuff into my gambling. In particular, I've tried to plan around my promotions and make sure I get the gifts that are being offered. You said in a recent episode that you and your wife each got 45 canned coolers that you didn't need which I've been seeing too. I'm getting stuff I don't need or want. What's the pur purpose? Either I'm missing something or it's a waste of time. All right, so Mikey Mike, thank you for listening. I, I sent you a note saying that uh, I would answer your question this week, and I'm not trying to manipulate you into listening more. This is just an easier way to present these ideas and to present them to everybody than doing it um, all typed out and everything. But look, I encourage you to take a wider view of the unwanted stuff you collect as gifts from casinos. And, and about how it can benefit you and the people around you. So here's kind of how this works in my household and, and some examples from, from my life over the years. 
Sometimes gifts don't even make it home. Sometimes they get sold in the casino for chips or cash or in the parking lot or in the parking garage. You, you kind of got to have some radar for that. You kind of got to be looking out for, for those kinds of opportunities. But assuming that the stuff makes it into the house, Mrs. TRG and I decide if either or both of us need the item, either as something we will use or as a replacement for something that's getting old and used up. If we don't need it, the item goes in a section of our basement. Right now, we have a roughly 5 foot by 3 foot by 3 foot space. So that's uh, length with height. And it's filled with various casino gifts that we don't need or don't need right now. I know lots of regular casino goers that have a corner or a set of shelves or a closet of unneeded casino gifts. But the key to that word unneeded is it's really unneeded today. Let's call that corner the opportunity corner, just for the sake of having a point of reference. We use that stuff to save money, make money, or benefit friends and family all the time. And as I said, here are some examples. Multiple times we get asked to assemble a basket for a silent auction fundraiser or, or some type of event like that where they're looking for theme of stuff to be donated that, that people will uh, contribute money to the organization for a chance to win. And then we go and look at the opportunity corner for ideas and we pull stuff together to create a theme. A great example is one time a casino gave us a movie theater style popcorn maker as a gift. And... It was a great gift. It was a wonderful gift. It was an expensive gift. And it sat in the opportunity corner in a box for quite a while because we had no place in our home that it made sense to set up this great big popcorn maker. But we took that popcorn maker. We went to the store. We purchased some popcorn. We picked up a red box gift card. We took some plastic bowls from the opportunity corner to act as popcorn bowls. And we put the whole thing together with a little list and called it a movie night basket, with the machine itself actually serving as the basket. Our cost was less than $10 cash, but it generated a ton of bids and interest for the charity involved. Just because we didn't want it didn't mean no one wanted it. It was an excellent donation. It generated a ton of buzz. The person who finally received it was very happy to have it. Another example of this concept was a waffle strip maker we received. Basically, it made tiny... Three inch by one inch waffles, five at a time. Didn't need it, didn't want it, didn't want to make little tiny strips of waffles. So we put it in a white elephant gift exchange, and it became a very popular thing. Once it was opened, it kept getting stolen and traded and passed around. Everyone with younger children wanted it. And if we hadn't used that and several other Opportunity Corner items for the white elephant gift exchange, we would have used cash to buy those gifts. Now, important point here that I think. I would never do this with something that had casino branding on it. You know, sometimes you get casino gifts, um, whether that's bags or shirts or whatever, and they have the name of the casino all over them. And I would never put those into a white elephant gift exchange. I would never give those as, as a gift to someone. Uh, I think that's a little tacky. Then again, that's just me. But these are all items, that, these ones that we gave away and put into the gift exchange were all items you could buy at any number of big box stores. They were in the appropriate price range for the gift exchange. Another example, same kind of thought process. My oldest son, the heir to the throne, is in the process of rehabbing an apartment as an Airbnb rental. He was home and asked if he could shop the Opportunity Corner. And of course, my reply was, sure, help yourself. Um... He found various pieces of Wolfgang Puck cookware, a set of sheets, and some other items that saved him several hundred dollars in setting up the apartment. Along those same lines, we recently had some extended family over for brunch. A group that isn't as involved with casinos as we are doesn't necessarily understand how they work, 
and by the end of the brunch, several items from the Opportunity Corner found new homes. Seeing a family member that needs a new crockpot have a choice of two or three crockpots that we just don't need because we have a great crockpot, it's fun, it's valuable for everyone involved, at least it's fun for me, and, and I like being able to do that for people. Finally, from time to time, I'll select items from the Opportunity Corner and put them up for sale in a Facebook group or in an app like OfferUp and put some additional cash in my pocket, kind of to thin out things when the Opportunity Corner is getting a little too full. And then I'll point out this, this one I guess, the last time we had a garage sale, we had an entire table labeled New Unused Items. It included a variety of coolers, luggage, purses from the Opportunity Corner. A few people asked why we had new stuff to sell at a garage sale, and we explained they were casino gifts that we didn't need. Everything on that table sold very quickly. The bottom line here is, just because you don't want something today doesn't mean you can't find ways for that item to benefit you or someone you care about in the future. Those are just a few examples of doing that. I'm sure you can find plenty of other examples. So... Thanks for emailing me, Mikey Mike. I hope that was helpful. And now let's do Gambling with Gabriel. Let's do a quick refresher here. In the religions of Abraham, the archangel Gabriel was a messenger sent to Daniel to interpret his visions. In real life, the person we call Gabriel in this podcast is someone I've known for years. And while he doesn't interpret my visions, he does provide a unique and different lens for me to examine gambling and my gambling experiences through. So more a sounding board than an interpreter, I guess, but a very similar function in my life. Gabriel was traditionally a blackjack player. That's how we initially met. But several months ago, he decided to do a craps experiment. And he showed me a variety of new ways to look at the game. One of the things his experiences revealed is that, at our local casino at least, the points earned from a few hours of playing craps is significantly higher than the points earned playing blackjack for the same amount of time. So a few weeks ago, I started my own craps experiment. I set up an EBR, an experimental bankroll, money separate from and in addition to my normally gambling bankroll. And I decided that fun or not fun, winning or losing, I was going to play a total of four craps tables to evaluate the game in person and to see if there was a casino combat approach to the game of craps that I was missing by just playing with computer simulations. I played craps once with Gabriel as an advisor a few weeks ago. I got a chance to play craps three more times, making that total of four tables during my trip to Las Vegas last week. And that finishes up the experiment. Gabriel wasn't actually with me physically in Las Vegas. He was vacationing and doing some gambling thousands of miles away. But like his biblical counterpart, we shared a variety of text messages and he interpreted things for me and offered his view of events. Look, you know I love disclaimers, so let me put one right here. This gambling is not part of what I consider casino combat. This type of gambling does not at this point follow enough of the core concepts. This is a separate experiment with separate money, which is why it's in its own portion of the podcast. At this point, I do not consider myself someone you should take craps advice from. I'm just a guy learning and sharing that process with you. My first observation is that finding a place to play craps in Las Vegas right now, especially during the week, is much easier than finding a blackjack table. I'll share more in the travel segment when we get there, I suspect, but blackjack tables were a bit challenging to find, and spots at a craps table were plentiful. 
I played craps at MGM, at the Tropicano, and at Flamingo as the fourth table in the experiment. I finished the experiment with two winning tables and two losing tables, and with a small cash profit from the four tables. The My Choice property west of me a couple hours, and the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. The My Choice property west of me a couple hours, and the MGM Grand in Las Vegas gave me a large amount of points for my craps play. Thousands and thousands of points compared to the hundreds I normally earn playing blackjack. Strangely, the Tropicana and the Flamingo didn't give me enough points to really notice it was being different. So I'm not sure why that is. It's something to learn. I'm also interested in if and how those big MGM points will translate into comps in my account in a month or two as that kind of trickles through the system. That's going to be interesting and informative to see, I think. I finished the experiment comfortable with being at a crafts table and comfortable being a dice thrower, which was a big improvement compared to the first time I played. By the fourth table, I was starting to work on applying Casino Wisdom number 60, have a win stack to the process. The way I'm currently playing is not what the experts and the math would tell us is the correct way to limit the house's advantage to the smallest number possible. I'm giving the house about a 4% advantage compared to the approximately 0.3% advantage they enjoy when I play blackjack. So I'm projected to lose $4 per hundred instead of 30 cents. But that said, when I play, play blackjack, I make a one unit bet and two minutes later, that bet is resolved, win or lose, and I'm on to the next bet. At a $10 craps table, I'm betting about the same amount of money as two wagers, and while they are sometimes resolved with one throw of the dice, it is sometimes 20 or more minutes and many, many, many throws before that one set of wagers are resolved. And sometimes I win those bets once or twice, and my original money is back in my possession, and I'm continuing to gamble with the money I just won. Playing the way I'm playing at the moment, the bankroll requirements are actually minimal, which is one of the things that scared me away from craps for a long time. Honestly, while I continue to treat this as an experiment with an EBR, it looks like my normal casino bankroll could support regular craps play at $10 to $15 tables and be just fine. And that's a big unexpected bonus. My conclusion after four tables is that I'm going to keep it with the experiment for a while. I'm comfortable enough and the risks seem small enough that I'm starting to look for ways to apply the core concepts and the appropriate casino wisdoms to the game of, of craps. At this point, look, I've got some ideas about progressive and regressive wagering principles being applied and I'm starting to work out the positive and negative exit conditions. And I'm admittedly learning some of that just by trial and error, by trying to figure it out. I, I completely missed a, a good exit, a good negative exit on my fourth table, just in hindsight through ignorance. And I've had, I'd have had a decent win for the experiment if I hadn't missed that. So I'll continue to track and report my results and observations. And I'll continue to label those as an experiment or gambling for entertainment as things happen. And of course, if I find a combination of core concepts that I think make the game exploitable, you will be the first to know. No, that's not true. You, you won't. That's not true at all. Um, you will hear about it after Gabriel has interpreted and refined my thoughts. Plus, Mrs. TRG and the Young Squire are probably also going to know before you. So you're going to be like the fourth to know, okay? Um, but you get the general idea. Uh, next up, a moment of casino wisdom. Today I want to uh, revisit Casino Wisdom number 22, Always Play Your Free Slot Play If You Are In The Casino, 
And number 23, always use free or match play strategically. What prompts this is that a few weeks ago, Casino One gave me some match bet money for the tables and some free slot play money. And when I got to the cage to get the match bets, I was asked if I wanted the coupons as one single large amount or multiple smaller amounts. And I thought for a minute and took the smallest coupon size that they offered, multiple $5 match bets instead of one large match bet. This is an application of Casino Wisdom number 23. Use your match play strategically. It's not just strategically at the table itself. It's, in this case, strategically in deciding what unit size you're using and what unit size the coupon should be when you're given a choice. And often you are. For the sake of illustration, suppose I have a $10 unit size and I'm offered $25 in match play. If I take that as a single $25 coupon... I can't really play it strategically in the sense that, I mean, I can get close, right? If I need to make a four and a half unit bet, I can use the coupon and match it with a $25 chip to create a five unit bet. And only half of that is my money and half of it's the casino's money. But it's much easier to get five $5 coupons and use them to increase my bet to one and a half units, the coupon and my normal $10 bet as a wager after a couple of wins, or to use two of them, two of the $5 coupons, when I make a $2, uh, not a $2, a two-unit wager after a loss. The point is that you can apply Casino Wisdom number 23, as I said, to not only how you make wagers at the table, but also to the denominations we request the match bets in at either the cage or the kiosk. Later in that same trip, I was ready to use my, my free slot play. I think I had $20 to use. As I looked for a machine to play it on, using TRG Slot Strategy 1, of course, I realized I was being, again, very strategic in my approach. I didn't want to make 40, 50 cent spins. Honestly, I didn't want to take that much time. And if I hit something good, I wanted a good payout, and that comes with larger wagers on slot machines. I also wanted several chances to win. So I certainly didn't want to spend $8.88 a spin and get only two spins, and then have a strange amount of money left over. And I didn't want to leave any money unspun when I was finished, or use any winnings to finish spinning leftover money. So I was looking for something where, when I got to the last spin, all the money would be used. I wanted a reasonable number of spins at a larger amount of money, and I didn't want to sit and spin $20, $0.25 at a time. I eventually settled on a machine where I could make either $21 spins or $10 spins, and I made the the $10 spins and took some money out of the machine. Rarely, as we know, rarely once in a while that doesn't work. It it doesn't happen very often, but in this case, things were very normal and I ended up with some cash in my pocket. You might apply these wisdoms differently based on the amounts you're given and what you want to accomplish with the amounts you're given. These wisdoms don't say your strategy has to be the same as TRG's strategy. They just tell us to make sure we use these casino comps when they're available and to think about how to use them to our advantage in in all aspects of our relationship with the casino. We traveled in a variety of ways last week and we did some gambling. Let me tell you about it next in our travel segment. My wife, Mrs. TRG, is a school teacher and last week was her spring break. She realized a couple months ago that by the time her break started, she would be fully vaccinated, and as such, she was ready to consider entering airports and getting in airplanes. 
She knew I'd positioned us well to enjoy Las Vegas, and she wanted to go. So Monday, off we went. And I'll do a third disclaimer here, very much like the ones in my monthly recaps. I'm not giving you details to show off. I'm giving you details so that you can see how techniques discussed in previous episodes created opportunities and benefits now. I'm giving you details so you understand the choices we made about spending money and how it affects our profits as gamblers. When I made the first podcast visit to Las Vegas back in December, one of the things I made a point of was to do some gambling at Tropicana, since it was the only My Choice property on the Strip, and I wanted to see if I could get the comp process going to tie in with the My Choice properties we visit in our region. And that, of course, includes Casino 2, which is my home casino. And again, when the young squire and I went to Las Vegas a couple of months ago, we made a visit to the Tropicana for the same reason. And as hoped, or expected honestly, when I got ready to plan this trip, the comp process had started working. We had a very nice offer for up to three comp tonights in a standard room with some money to gamble with at Blackjack and some money to spend on meals. And as a nice surprise, I checked the kiosks each day, and each day when I checked, there was more free money to gamble with at the table. So no complaints about the level of comps I'm receiving after a couple of very quick, very brief visits. But here, so not knowing what exactly we were going to expect, we've never really stayed there, we've never really gambled there very much, we decided to try things out for just two nights and then switch to another property that we knew we would enjoy. We, we didn't want to be there the whole time and by day three going, yes, this, is, this, this really isn't us, right? This really isn't our, our space. So our offer was for a standard room, and one of the things that I find fun about Las Vegas during the pandemic and okay, yes, it sounds kind of strange to say fun during the pandemic, but fun for me is that, especially during the week with no conventions in town, room upgrades on your comp are cheap and plentiful. So I asked during check-in if, if they had any upgrades available, and they offered us an upgrade to a junior uh, one-bedroom suite with a strip view for the equivalent of two bets at the blackjack table. And <laughs> look, I was happy to take that one, right? In fact, I mean... You're, in hindsight, you're giving me two bets at the blackjack table as part of the comp, and I'm paying you the equivalent in cash for a up, very nice upgrade to a very nice room. So I was very happy about that. The rooms in the view were great. Uh, a walkthrough's on Instagram. Yeah, if you want to take a look, hit up Instagram. I, I did a walkthrough of the room. Uh, the money we were given for food paid for dinner the first night, and it was nice to just Enjoy that in the living room, in the dining area of our suite, with our masks off and not worried about that and pouring our own drinks and, and, and having that kind of space to ourselves. Big upside of having the suite. We tried to do some gambling at Tropicana Monday night, but I only managed to get in a short run at a double deck game because of limited tables and limited seats. And I get plenty of time to gamble without my wife. She was willing to wait and stand and watch. But it was a couple's trip, and I wanted us to do things together. So we left the Tropicana. We wandered over to the nearby OYO Casino, which uh, is a rebranded Hooters, which was rebranded from being the San Remus, and we'd never been to OYO. So I didn't have an OYO chip in, uh, in my collection. And so we picked up a, a, a chip from my collection. We did some gambling there before wrapping up our evening. But it's kind of a bummer not to be able to gamble where you're comped. The next morning, a combination of the comped money provided to us and some points earned at our home casino paid for breakfast. 
But again, I was a little concerned because I noticed on my way back to the room with breakfast that they only had a roulette table, a single six to five blackjack table, and a craps table open. And nobody was playing craps, which meant playing alone. And that's still a little intimidating for me at this point. I'm not quite ready to be the only guy at the craps table. But we had a pool day planned, so it wasn't a crisis at the moment. Pool time was, again, a strategic choice. In theory, this could become a significant Las Vegas resource for us, and that means Mrs. TRG needs to see and approve of the pool. Pool days are an important part of visiting Las Vegas for her, and she has found some pools that she just doesn't like for for various reasons. Design, layout, um, a a great example, the the pool at Paris, while being a very nice pool, is is a great big octagon, and the Eiffel Tower turns it into a, a sunglass, shade, or an hourglass. Shade moves, uh, not what I was working, sundial. That's the word I was looking for. The, the Eiffel Tower turns the pool into a sundial. So if you start out in shadow, you, and that's what you want, as the sun moves, you're going to end up in the opposite. And if you start out in sun, you're going to end up in shade. You start out in shade, you're going to end up in sun. Not her favorite pool. Not a, a favorite place she'd like to be if we're there during during pool season. Honestly, I often gamble while she's at the pool. Or I go to the pool with her. I'm there 15, 20 minutes. Maybe I have a cocktail with her. Jump in the water once. And then I go gamble while she spends several more hours there. I had heard that with people preferring outside activities right now and pool capacity being limited in Las Vegas, that many pools often had people waiting for hours to get in unless they reserved a day bed or a cabana in advance. So I'd reserved a day bed, which was honestly very reasonable, uh, at least to my mind. You know, we got a day bed, which was kind of the size of a queen size bed, um, an umbrella and a side table and a dedicated server. And it cost us $80, but as long as you spent $80 or more on a bar tab, then that $80 charge went away and, and the, the use of the day bed was free. So in advance, we'd planned a uh, day drinking and reading by the pool and hanging out for several hours. In hindsight, that was brilliant because gambling options were, were limited. I'd have uh, struggled to knock around and gambling gamble for the whole time that, that my wife was at the pool. I did finish at the pool a little early, and I did try to do some gambling, and the table configurations at the Tropicana were the same. I went across the street to the MGM and ended up playing craps because the blackjack rules offered were terrible. And when I went back to the room to, to get cleaned up and to check in with my wife, I did something I never thought I would do in a million years. I called the front desk, I asked for a casino host, and I asked him to bill me for the things I'd been comped. He seemed understandably confused. I explained that I had accepted the comps with every intention to gamble at a level appropriate to what they had offered. But since I'm not primarily a slot player and they had no tables open for me to actually gamble, I, I wasn't going to, to, to gamble at what I considered an appropriate level and, and then I'd prefer to pay them back rather than accept the comp. And I wasn't trying to be nice. I really don't care so much in a casino. I care about being polite, but I don't care about being generous. Maybe that's a better way to say that. I was doing this so that at some point in the future, a host didn't review my play and decide I wasn't going to be comped because I didn't gamble enough. I wanted them to understand that I was plenty ready to gamble. They just didn't have anything open. Not surprisingly, I kind of knew it was going to go this way, but I wanted to make the gesture. He said he couldn't charge back my comps, but he did say that he would put a note in the computer that I had called and offered and wanted to gamble, but could not because of COVID limits. Okay, 
close enough. I did eventually get some time in at a craps table, so at least there's something on the books with the Tropicana. All in all, we liked the hotel. All the food we ordered as takeout was very good. The pool was great. Mrs. TRG would happily go back and enjoy it again. And the location, surrounded by several MGM properties, is more than fine for a several-day stay. But I'll be hesitant to commit to comps there next time unless the number of blackjack tables available improves. And quite frankly, the number of tables in general. I'd be more likely to stay at either the MGM Grand or New York, New York on M Life comps and just check out the Tropicana gambling situation next time to get a second look. After two nights, we moved down to the Flamingo with a fully comped premier room, including resort fees in the comps. Remember the December trip to make sure I reached diamond level and no resort fees for the year? That very strategic trip to make sure we had the right level of things? That trip once again provided real value. No resort fees and diamond level guests get to skip the very long check-in line and they have their own check-in line which was one person deep when we got there. I had submitted an online request for an upgrade to an executive suite if one was available and it was, again, for less than two bets at the blackjack table. It did not have the tremendous view of the strip that the young squire and I had on our trip, but it was probably a nicer room and more recently refurbished, and it had a great view of the pool and the mountains. Uh, we really enjoyed this one-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath suite, a great deal. And again, it's on Instagram if you'd like to see a walkthrough and see it for yourself. We gambled at Summit the Flamingo. We were crushed to find out the tables we normally love at Cromwell were not open. And since we are now more engaged with M Life, we enjoyed the secret gardens at the Mirage and did some gambling there. And we went to 107 Sky Lounge for cocktails and appetizers. Flamingo had given us a nice food and beverage comp, which we used to pay for a great brunch at Hex on Thursday morning. Then we did some gambling and had a great run at the slot machines all day that day, honestly. We both left every machine we played for the whole day with more money than we put in. We then took the trip I'd promised my wife to the Grand Canyon, and after having some uh, champagne in the Grand Canyon, we came back for additional gambling at the Flamingo. We finished this trip 9-1 on slot machines played. I'm admittedly no expert, but who else goes to Las Vegas and gambles for a week and only loses money in one slot machine? Now, that's a serious question. If you know someone else that does that, point them my way. I want to compare notes. I want to have that conversation. Oh, I guess side note. Sadly, no sign of Guardian in the jet. I kept my eyes peeled all, every time we were in and around the Flamingo, which is where I ran into them the last time. Anyway, we finished the trip having won almost three days pay. So we won plenty of money gambling. And we spent a bunch as well. In fact, again, full transparency... I'm not sure I have a final tally of all the expenses yet. Often those roll in days later from the casino to the credit card. Sometimes they're larger than I expected because we spent more than I thought. And sometimes they're smaller because stuff gets comped off on the back end. So I'm going to have to continue to pay attention and, and make, some, uh, make some more entries in my app. But subject to adjustment at the end of the month, we sent seven days pay on the trip. Airfare, Grand Canyon, limo, some meals, room upgrades, tips compared to the almost three days pay we won. So roughly a lost and spent after comps of a couple days pay, and on a cash basis, without the value of the comps, more like four days pay uh, spent. Not horrible, not something I can't recover from during the balance of the month if gambling goes my way, but more importantly, there are changes that could have been made. Take an Uber instead of a chauffeured Tesla from the airport to the hotel, 
and from Hotel 1 to Hotel 2. Skip the Sky Lounge in favor of going to the Bird Bar for happy hour. Don't do the room upgrades to suites and accept the very nice rooms that they were willing to comp. Don't do the day bed and day drinking at the pool. Make a couple different dinner choices. Don't fly to the Grand Canyon for drinks at the bottom. Take that stuff out, and we want enough gambling to pay for the trip. Just barely, but we covered it, and we got comped a bunch of stuff. We didn't try to do a casino combat trip, even though I'm going to report it all in the results. We didn't try to match our spending to our wins. And I'm not going to pretend we didn't spend money just to make myself look good. We spent more than we won. And we had one of our best Las Vegas trips ever. But on the gambling side, on just the gambling side, we left Vegas winners once again. Not even close. Or looked at from a different point of view, we gambled our way to a 50% discount on a great Las Vegas vacation. I got a quick one for you in the VIP lounge as we finish up this episode of our Casino Combat Podcast. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Come on in and enjoy our VIP lounge. Since this is all virtual, let's use the 107 Sky Lounge this week. The 107 Sky Lounge is on the 107th floor of the Stratosphere Resort in Las Vegas, the largest, tallest building between Chicago and Seattle. It offers stunning views of the Strip and downtown Las Vegas, especially during happy hour as the sun sets and the lights come up in the city. I managed to reserve us plenty of seats in a virtual version, all on the Strip side, of course. I did have to make some adjustments to their beverage selection, however. They were fine on the sparkling and still water, but they only have soda from a gun behind the bar and no, no locally bottled artisanal pop. But I had them bring in some just for us, so help yourself. The virtual tab is on me. I think I'm going to just have a nice pour of the Johnny Walker Blue from my uh, Christmas stash while we share some stories here. And since I mentioned that the virtual drinks were on me, let me remind you that I'm happy to buy you a drink the next time you are in a casino in real life. The way that works is you take a picture of some combination of yourself and the drink, post it on social media, shout us out, add us, tag us on social media when you post the picture. I'll happily Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal you the cost of a good drink at my local casino. If you'd like to buy me a drink, Go to anchor.fm slash casino combat and click the donate link. And the next time I'm having a drink in a casino, I'll take a picture and post it on the same show social media with a shout out and a great big thank you. A couple of you have noticed and commented in social media posts about a horseshoe shaped ring that I wear uh, on my right hand. In fact, Keeper of Wisdom thought it was a clue that I was a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. So since, like most things, TRG, there is a story behind the ring, I thought we would wrap up with that today and kind of clear this up. I'm nothing against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not a Colts fan. That's not the reason I wear (laughs) that particular ring. Uh, But I thought we'd do that today, and it's a story I've told many times in many VIP lounges when someone's commented on the ring. Years ago, my local casino comped me very good seats to a professional NBA game and a nice hotel room to spend the night in after the game. It was a school night. Mrs. TRG's a school teacher. She couldn't join me. So I invited a friend and he was going to meet me uh, for the game at, at the arena. But I was working near the casino in the morning and really had nothing to do in the, you know, lunchtime on. So rather than drive home, then drive back, I did a very early check-in and went to play blackjack with one of my favorite dealers in the high-limit room. 
And I say one of my favorite dealers, but honestly, just about my favorite dealer of all time. This is the same dealer that dealt to me during my largest win ever event, if you recall that story from an earlier episode. So we had a nice couple of hours, and I won about 30 days pay. And it was several hours before I was supposed to meet my friend for the game, and I wanted that money out of the casino and gone. And I didn't want to gamble out of boredom and give any meaningful portion of that winnings back. This is another example of that thing I talk about all the time. Get yourself out of the gambling space, out of the gambling mindset, then make decisions about money and gambling and how to handle things. And if you decide to gamble more, fine. But make that decisions away from the opportunity to gamble. Even if that's just going and getting a cup of coffee in a coffee shop. I had plenty of time on my hands. So I took my original bankroll and some of the winnings and then did go actually home and put them in my home safe. And then I went to various banks and other places and paid off most of the bills for the month and paid extra on on things like mortgage and car payments. I held on to enough money to gamble in high limit after the game and to pay for any incidentals at the game and things that might come up, buy some food and drinks for my friend that was joining me, and I still had time on my hands. So I went and got my hair cut. And my normal place at the time was right beside a really nice jewelry store that buys and sells estate items, and also makes loans. So they often have some interesting stuff there that you don't find in just your your run-of-the-mill mall jewelry store. And as I'm talking to my stylist about my afternoon at the Horseshoe Casino, which was how things were branded locally here at the time, she mentions that the jewelry store next door has a men's uh, diamond horseshoe-shaped ring. So I went over and I checked it out. It was an antique from an estate sale. It wasn't super expensive, just less than two days' pay. So it became an incidental expense, a memento of a fun afternoon with my favorite dealer. I've worn it ever since, even had a dealer in Las Vegas tell me it was a very classic old Vegas look. So that's kind of where that ring came from. That's why the ring is often in pictures. And I'm just real. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just realizing there's a whole nother part two to this story that has nothing to do with the ring, but does tie in because of what occurred after the basketball game, which is... Uh, also interesting, somewhat embarrassing, but interesting. Uh, so I held on to that money to gamble, and I'll share the results of that with you. I'll share that kind of additional extension to the story, if you will, next episode, rather than, uh, rather than tack it on here. But next week, I promise, I'll tell you the rest of the story, as a, as a famous radio person used to say. If you are playing the casino chip game, there are 10 in this episode of the podcast. Please, please, please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. But remember our casino wisdoms, don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.